chapter 1. We'll bring the lights up for you so you can see it. Although because we don't have as much sleep behind us, we don't have as much of a problem seeing it in here tonight, unfortunately. You guys feeling it a little bit? Um, As you turn there to Mark 1, just uh, two things to let you know about. Um, You may have seen on our uh, Instagram today that there's a mom's Bible study that's uh, Looking to get folks signed up and participating in that, you can talk to Chris Rush, or you can just uh, shoot us an email. There's probably a sign-up thing in the foyer. You can, you know, just get your information to someone, and that will be uh, that'd be awesome. And then on the 24th of this month, we're going to have a parenting workshop uh, here at Grace. Uh, it's a Friday night, so we'll have dinner and then uh, a time of equipping and teaching, and there's childcare provided and that kind of stuff. And so we'll get you some more information about that. That's two parenting-related things that are coming up uh, that uh, to definitely be excited about. Um, we are working our way through the Gospel of Mark. We haven't made it very far yet. Uh, and so for a while, you can pretty much assume that this is where we're going to be turning. Um, in Mark chapter 1, so far we have seen uh, John, John the Baptist uh, preparing the way for Jesus. And then Jesus comes and is baptized Uh, He goes into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan for 40 days, and he has emerged and uh, is beginning his public ministry. Now, the 40 days in the desert is really pertinent to us right now. We are uh, a week and a half or so into Lent, which is a season of the church calendar where we we step into the story of Jesus in in a very literal way. Uh, There are 40 days of, of prayer and fasting, and uh, not necessarily a food fast for that long, but, but we, we take something that has uh, kind of a controlling force in our lives, and we say no to that, and we say yes to Jesus within that. And for 40 days, we are um, handing ourselves over to him and uh, just really asking him to search us and try us and test us and lead us. And uh, it's something that ramps us up to Easter and kind of gets us ready for that. And so uh, I hope that you are participating. I hope that you ha- have um, maybe found a rhythm of sorts in in the season of Lent. I know our community groups talked about fasting this past week and uh, that kind of stuff. And so uh, following Jesus' temptation in the desert, there is a period of time that passes where uh, he is pretty much in Jerusalem and John the Baptist is kind of uh, in like the the Jordan River area and he's preaching the gospel, and he's baptizing people, and Jesus is sort of, uh, like, he's kind of waiting uh, a little bit. And so we, we come to this point in the story, and um, we're in this series, kind of, at least from now until probably Palm Sunday, building all of the sermons around t- really two questions as a way of, of helping us all maybe, maybe have a framework that you can take it to your own time of Bible study. And it's, it's built around two questions. One is, uh, what does God want us to know? And the other is, what does God want us to do? Simply opening up the Bible and believing that, that God has given us this book, this uh, book that is not like any other book, and he's given it to us for a reason, 
And some of that is because he wants us to know things, and other times he wants us to do things. And there are certainly more questions you could, you could add to that. But, but for now, it's just those two simple things. What does God want us to know? What does God want us to do? Um, so we get to this point in Jesus' ministry, um, and we're in verse 14. It says, Now after John was arrested, that's John the Baptist, uh, after he was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Two little verses that uh, contain some things that God wants us to know and some things that God wants us to do. Uh, the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of pass over a little bit uh, and just really kind of try to zero in on one thing to know and one thing to do. Uh, but let me just kind of throw this little thing in there. Um, when it says that, it says in the first, in verse 14, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Um, Jesus, like there's a, there's a strategy to, to the Lord and to Jesus and his ministry. Um, there was a timing issue that was very purposed. There was a location issue that was very purposed. Jesus, we know from some of the other Gospels and kind of piecing these things together that Jesus was in the Jerusalem area. And when John was arrested, he, then he went up to Galilee. He went north, uh, basically like, like to the countryside. Um, and uh, he did that on purpose. There's a reason that he, he changed his location. Most of his ministry is in the region around the Sea of Galilee. Uh, there's a reason for that. And there's a reason that it was like once John was uh, was arrested, he was kind of letting John like be like have his ministry and him kind of be the the forerunner that he was supposed to be. Uh, as John was was preparing the way, Jesus let him continue to prepare the way. And Jesus kind of uh, we aren't totally sure exactly what he did, but uh, he was he was teaching and he was like he had disciples and stuff like that, but it. It wasn't this like full-blown kingdom of God ministry that we're about to see. That didn't happen yet. So all that to say, God is very strategic. In this case, uh, time and location, very important. And we, that means a lot in our lives because his leadership of us is just, it's just not random, ever. It might seem random at times. It might feel random. But when, when the Lord is like, uh, if, if he is being silent about something... If he is telling you to wait, if you sort of just feel that that's like the right thing to do is just to be patient, you know, and just endure for a while. And um, if you're praying a prayer in deep faith, but yet nothing is nothing is happening, um, don't get uptight. Don't feel like you're praying wrong. Don't feel like he's not there and doesn't care. He's very strategic. So even in the things that we have prayed for tonight, uh, it's very important to recognize. Like, okay, so Jesus, Jesus waited. He waited until John was arrested, and then he traveled to Galilee to begin this. And so for us, sometimes we have to wait for him to move certain pieces into place or wait for him to cultivate something within us, you know, uh, that there's a timing issue and there's a location issue, and so he's very specific in how he leads us. And so uh, don't be discouraged. I'm sure that Jesus, when he was baptized, I bet he was ready to go, but then he had to wait for a bit. And so he can also relate to us having to wait sometimes. Uh, for that, so he comes into he comes into Galilee and he's proclaiming the gospel of God, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. 
uh, repent and believe in the gospel. So what does he want us to know? He wants us to know uh, exactly what's in quotes. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's what he wants us to know. That's what Jesus was preaching. Uh, If you study the gospels, you will see that that is the summary statement of Jesus' preaching ministry. More than, more than anything else that he, that he covers, he, he makes that statement over and over again. That everywhere he went, and the people that he talked to, now it's not in every dialogue in the, in the Gospels, I understand, but whenever there are summary statements made by the Gospel writers, it always is that, it's that idea. He says, the kingdom is at hand. Sometimes he says kingdom of God, sometimes he says kingdom of heaven. It's the same, it's, he's talking about the same thing, that the kingdom of God is at hand. And he says, repent and believe in the gospel. So spoiler alert, that's the do. <laughs> that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to know that it's available. And two, he wants us to like, take him up on his offer. So what does that even mean? What is, it, what is he going around preaching about? What is the, what is it, the, the kingdom? Um, this morning, you know, we're, we're taking steps toward planting a church in Zachary and I'm uh, you know, the, we're, we're meeting on Sunday mornings together and uh, we're, right now we're going through the Lord's Prayer and we get to the part of the Lord's Prayer where it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we were just kind of talking this morning about what, is it, what do you think the average person uh, thinks of when they hear that? You know, the, the Lord's Prayer has become, uh, it's very familiar. It's something that's, that, that's repeated and sometimes, sometimes it's repeated mindlessly and sometimes it's repeated in deep, deep faith. So there's a whole spectrum there. I was like, what do, you, what do we think that God, that most people think of, you know? And we kind of, we kind of you know, bounced around a little bit, but there, there's this sort of idea that, that the kingdom is really just heaven, and that all of it is like in the future somewhere, you know? That Jesus is saying, hey, I've opened up heaven for you. And so whenever you pass away, you can now go here. The kingdom is at hand, like it's open, it's available to you. Um, that you don't have to die and go to hell anymore. Now you can die and go to heaven. Uh, repent and believe that I'm telling you the truth. And, and true, like, uh, like the kingdom and heaven and those kind of things being a part of our future is absolutely, that's absolutely true. Um, but that's not necessarily like the only thing that he was talking about here. Um, when he says the kingdom of God is at hand, um, you know, he says at the beginning of the statement, the time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. Now, he, in one sense, he's probably is, is talking about like literally like, okay, it's time for me to start preaching this. But he preached this for like three years everywhere, that the time is fulfilled. And so it isn't so much like the day and the minute as much as it is like this opportunity has opened up to you. Um, And I was thinking about this last night. Uh, If you went to LSU in the 90s, um, stand up. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, If you went to LSU in the 90s, you had the privilege of registering for classes by calling a phone number. What was his name? Reggie, the most hated man in Baton Rouge. And it wasn't even a man. It was a computer-automated like registration system. And the course catalog, everything had a code. 
And you would punch in the courses that you want, and then Reggie would tell you if the course was available, or if it had been added, or if, it's, if it was full, and you know that kind of stuff. And so it was this like really kind of frantic moment. And I'm sure that registration, I know, I know that it's evolved past this point, and I'm sure it still has its own headaches. But it was terrible, wasn't it? Like, do you guys, do you guys had to do that? Because the people closest to graduating, you had to have a certain number of hours before your like window of registration could open. So the closest to graduating, they got to call first. And so in your first year or two, you were on the, the, t- the tail end of registration. So most of the classes you wanted were full already. So you had to go in with like, you had like a list of all your like plans. It was like the NFL draft or something. Like you had like, like everything all mapped out. And you, like you knew the, the minute, like the second that your window would open. And so uh, you had to get on a, like this was like landline time, right? So you had to find a, like a phone phone. And uh, a, like you had to, you had to like get ready. And there, were, there was like one number, uh, but then there were like all these like secret code numbers. Like, oh, this is like a secret Reggie number. And it was all, there were always lies. Um, and uh, so like you're like watching the clock tick down. And whenever, whenever it hit your time, Thousands and thousands of people are calling this one phone number. And so, of course, what's happened? It's busy. And so you would sit there and you would redial over and over and over. And you would spend hours trying to get in there. And they said there were a bunch of phone lines, but I'm pretty sure there was like four. And it took forever. And if you had roommates and you were all kind of the same age and you had the same window, so you would have to like space yourself out in other people's apartments and it was, it was awful. But if you tried to call too soon, Reggie would tell you, I'm sorry, uh, your window does not open until you know, tomorrow at 3 o'clock. And it was so stressful and it was terrible and it was just bad. And so I hope that you guys uh, don't have to do that much. But Jesus is coming and he's saying, hey, you're, like, this is now open to you. With, with registration, you had to wait until that minute, and then you were qualified. Like it would open up to you. And Reggie, whenever you got through to him, he would say, thank you for calling the LSU, whatever. Uh, please enter your student ID number. And you're like, oh, thank you. What is it? And you, know, and you forget it, and you're panicking. But uh, it wasn't until that moment, but once it was, it was open, like the time was fulfilled for you. That's more the sense of what Jesus is saying here is that uh, the time, like now there is a door that is open to you that was not, has not been open to you so far. It's this invitation into this thing called the kingdom of God. And in some ways, it's exactly what it sounds like. Like we, th- we think of kingdoms based on world history and literature and things. And, and it's similar, like there is a king and uh, he rules the land. He has uh, like certain ways that he does things and certain things that he uh, empowers and allows his citizens to do. There are things that he does not want his citizens to do because they're bad for them. Um, there, is a, there, there is like all those things are, are in place. Um, and just like in an earthly kingdom, the quality of life for those in the kingdom of God, uh, it's determined by the character of the king. 
So if you watch a movie or you read an old uh, like book or something that's, that's, deal, that's in this time where a king is on the throne, if it's a, really, if it's a great, like, loving, compassionate king, then he makes sure that everyone in his kingdom has a loving, compassionate life. But if he is a tyrant, if he is a dictator, then he rules over them. And so the kingdom of God is, is largely about the king and his character and his goodness uh, and what he is like. And so at this point, we have, we have a king who would leave heaven and come to the earth, who would become like us, would enter our brokenness, enter this mess of a world, uh, enter in a very like, unconventional way, that uh, our God would, would embrace weakness, that he would choose to be humble, uh, that he would put himself in the trenches with us, um, that he would live this life, that he would uh, be the sacrifice, that he would invite us into this kingdom, but that he would be the one paving the way. Like it's by him and through him and for him that this is happening. And so, of course, Jesus is the one to announce the opening of the kingdom because he is the king who is opening the kingdom. He is flinging open the door. N.T. Wright says that, that when Jesus proclaims the, that the kingdom of God is at hand, that it is, he's basically saying, hey, all of you who are in prison, I opened the door. You can leave. You don't have to stay here. The things that are keeping you in bondage and keeping you in shackles and, and making your life miserable and hopeless and broken, I, there's a way into a completely different realm. That your window has opened into this opportunity that the time is fulfilled, that the door is open. It's, it's this invitation. So when we see Jesus saying the kingdom is at hand, we need to, we need to have this in our, in our minds that this is him inviting us into something. He's inviting us out of this brokenness and into wholeness, into this eternal oneness and peace that he has for us. He's bringing us back to Eden. And it's happening now. Jesus was not saying, hey, the kingdom is going to be at hand in like a couple thousand years maybe. or some, you know, He's not like, one day it's going to happen, so just trust me. He's saying, no, now, right here, the time is fulfilled. Your window has now opened. And so in terms of trying to understand what does it mean your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, if, if we can all just sink really deeply into this, this idea that whenever we hear the kingdom of God, a part of what comes to mind immediately is that part of the Lord's prayer on earth as it is in heaven. Like the, the, the embracing of earth and heaven between one another, the, the fitting together of those things. That heaven is not, it's not future, it's not far away, it's not like up there somewhere, it's, it's, he's with us. So on earth as it is in heaven, that's what the kingdom of God is about, is when we look at heaven and we say, what are things like there? Well, his, his will is done there. He is worshipped there. He is, like, our, the entire agenda of heaven is looking at this amazing God and just loving him and being loved by him. And worshiping him and he is providing for us. And it's this relationship, you know. 
You look at the God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, like that's what heaven looks like, and he's saying, come into this, come into this, come into this. And so, heaven may seem distant, and it may seem like something that's further down the timeline than this moment, but what Jesus is saying, no, I'm, I'm bringing it to you. The heaven has come to earth. And so he says that the time is fulfilled, you know, that here are these people, the Jewish people, and then like, but the message goes out to all. Uh, you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and now it's time. It's like that moment when I was in college. It was like finally, like Reggie is open to me. He's saying the kingdom is open to you. That earth and heaven do not have to be separate. That the the rule and the reign of God over our hearts and our, and our minds and our lives, is, that could be our reality. That you don't have to wait till you die and go to heaven, that you can live in heaven now. In this broken place, you know, in this world that can be, it can be, oh man, it can be just the best. Sometimes you're just like, man, I, lo- I just love life. And then other times you're like, I'm ready to be done. You know, not in a drastic, not in a drastic, like do something about it way, but just you kind of get that feeling of just like, man, just come on, Lord, what are you waiting on? Come back. And we have both of those extremes and everything in the middle, and God's saying, hey, you can experience heaven in the here and now. Time is fulfilled. The kingdom is at hand. The king himself has come and said, I've, I've opened up the prison door. If you follow me, like I'll, I'll lead you, lead you right into it, and I'll model it for you. Like as we progress through the Gospel of Mark, we're going to see Jesus over and over again saying, "I know you don't understand what the kingdom is like, but let me show you. Let me heal this person." And I'm like, "Whoa, man, he healed that person." It's like, "Yeah, because you weren't built for brokenness; you were built for wholeness." So let me show you what the kingdom looks like. Let me teach you what the kingdom looks like. Let me, let me. Let me be countercultural in how I handle this. Let me show you the patterns of the world that you have grown up in, and let me show you what is possible in my kingdom and show you how to be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may know what is good and acceptable, the perfect will of God on earth as it is in heaven. All those things mashed together. Jesus is saying, this, this is what I'm inviting you to. When that happens, our, our, our goals, our, um, our priorities, our approach of, with money and with relationships and with career and with choices that we make and the trajectory of our lives, and like everything gets moved out of the kingdom of this world and it gets moved into another realm completely. That when Jesus says, hey, the prison door is open, let me teach you how to relate to your money correctly. You can be a kingdom of God money person in this world. Jesus was, and we can. You can be a kingdom of God uh, uh, reconciliation person, you know, but you can do it in this world. You can be a kingdom of God parent in this world. You can have a a God-honoring, prayerful, humble process of decision-making but we can do that in this world here. 
And so everything internally about us gets moved into this other realm, this heavenly realm. And by his leadership and by his grace, he shows us what it looks like. If you're a college student, he's like, hey, I'm going to show you what it looks like to be a kingdom of God citizen, but to do that in the school where you are. In the places where you work. You say, I'm going I'm to show you how to live in the kingdom in this internal way, but then when it comes to the outworking of that, I'm going to show you what that looks like. And the neighbors that you have and the, the kids that you're raising and the marriages that you're fighting for, that you're really working hard to be a copy of the original and all the things that we're about and our friendships and ministries and uh, just all the things that come with life. He's like, hey, you're not, you're not from here anymore. I've invited you. I've invited you out of the prison, um, but yet this is the world that you're going to be in for now. The earth and heaven are going are gonna to be side by side, uh, but, they're, but they're thinly veiled. You know? And so when Jesus is preaching this over and over and over again, he's telling them, hey, there's something that was not available to you prior to this. And now I'm, I'm opening this up to you. And so just like he promised, just like he said would happen, there's a new way of life that is available. So what do we do about it? Well, he says in the next verse, or the next half of that verse. He says, the time is fulfilled, this is verse 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So what comes to mind? On earth as it is in heaven, the door has now been opened. He's inviting you into this life. So what do we do? He says, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. What's the gospel? Well, a lot of times, the, you ask people, especially in the deep south, what's the gospel? And they say, uh, I was born a sinner, bound for hell. Jesus came, died on the cross for my sins. Now I get to go be with him forever. All true things. Nothing wrong with that answer. But the, the answer that Jesus would give for what is the gospel is he would say, the kingdom of, hand, of heaven is a hand. Like the time is fulfilled, the kingdom is here. Like that was, that was the gospel, that was the good news that he proclaimed. That word gospel was, it was used whenever, um, if a king was to make an announcement in a town, he would send a rider into the town and everyone would get together and there would be a proclamation. He would like roll it out, you know, read this proclamation. And so it could be the, the king has had a baby, you know, or uh, the king has made this ruling or the king has passed away and now the prince has taken over as the king. Or it could be all these different things. And it was considered to be good news because it was coming from the king. But it is this proclamation of like, hey, the king wants you to know something. And so the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, is that the kingdom is now open. Like, you can come and be with him now. And a part of that is being born in sin, Jesus coming to die on the cross for our sins and inviting us. Like, that's, that's within it. But the overarching idea is this, it's, it's this relationship that is now ours that he invites us into. And so he says, repent and believe in the gospel, repent and believe that I'm telling you the truth. Believe in this proclamation that has come from this king in this new kingdom, inviting you into this completely other realm. 
So repent and believe, those are the two things that we do. So repent, um, you know, means to, to make a turn, like kind of like a 180 kind of thing. Um, sometimes that's, that's, we limit that, I think, to uh, like behavioral things. Of like, well, stop doing what you're doing and start doing this stuff. Okay, well, and that is like a sense of repentance, right? You, you say like, hey, I don't want to be this person. I want to be this person. And so you make a turn in that direction. Um, it also means to change, like to change the way that we're thinking. And so essentially, like we're, we're born in this world, and so we grow up thinking like this world works. And so a part of our repentance is him saying, hey, you need to learn to think differently. I've been using these examples, so I'll just stick with them. He's like, you... You think about money this way because that's how you were trained in this kingdom, but I'm inviting you to another kingdom. Let me tell you in this kingdom, which is, which is reality, uh, let me tell you how money works, and then I'm going to send you back into this broken kingdom so that you can live counterculturally. In our relationships, it's like, hey, this is, this is how you were taught to handle conflict. This is how you were taught the world works. This is how you earn love and affection and approval of people and this is why you can like lie and betray people whatever just to keep them happy with you and we're taught that this is like how things work and he says no I'm going to I'm going to repent I want you to repent of that I want you to turn from that and understand that in the kingdom of God there is a a beauty there's a safety there's a oneness that happens between all of his sons and daughters who are all forgiven in the same way and so Forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration and adoption and all those things that are a part of the gospel are possible for us. So let's go back into this world. But we don't repent and go back into the world. We, we, we keep thinking as a kingdom person. We just kind of ease back into the normal rhythms of our other lives. But there's a turning that happens. Um, another way of thinking about re- repentance is, a, is conversion. Now, you hear conversion in a religious context, and you're thinking, um, like, become a Christian, right? You convert from being an atheist to being a Christian, or being, uh, being a Christian to being Jewish, or something. There's like a conversion of religion, but conversion, like, when you think about it outside of religious, like, talks, is like you're talking about converting something from one thing to another. But you're like, hey, this was this, and now it's this. That you have a, you have oil and flour, and and the trinity of cooking and sausage and chicken, and uh, through the masterful hands of many cooks in South Louisiana, they become this beautiful gumbo. Like those things have been converted, and they're really they're really not what they were, you know. And we can pick that apart, and don't pick that apart. Just roll with me. But there's a conversion that happens. You're becoming something completely different. And so whether it's turning or conversion or uh, learning to think differently, he's saying that repentance of, of being like, hey, let's, let's change what's going on in the old mind. Let me, teach, let me teach you how to relate to yourself and to the world around you based on this new kingdom that's available. So that happens. We, we repent. We turn from the, our own brokenness into this new thing. Then he says, he says repent and believe. And so it's, that's like this, this really informed belief. 
It's not blind faith. It's really, really informed faith. It's believing in his believability. And this can be a hard one for us. To trust that he's telling the truth, that he really is leading us from death into life. This is what he's saying. saying, I want you to know that this is available to you. It's going to require you turning, turning from your investment in this world and doing everything the way that everyone else around you does it. Turning from that, looking, looking to him and saying, how, how do you want me to do this as my king? And believing that what he is telling you is absolutely true. Like believing that he really does know he knows better than you about money. He knows better than you about relational re- restoration. He, he knows better than you about parenting. He knows better than you about how to deal with possessions. He knows better than you how to deal with fear. He knows better than you how to battle the devil. He knows better than you how to, how to deal with doubt. He knows better than you how to deal with anything I could possibly list. He knows better than you. And so... We are turning from this world, we're looking to him, and we're trusting that what he tells us is legitimately 100% true. And we're acting upon it. This is the time it was fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand, like it's open to you. Turn away from the world, turn, turn, to, turn to me, and believe, that, believe me that I am the king of this kingdom believe that I have sent this proclamation inviting you into the you you were always meant to be. And from the beginning, this was the life you were made to live. And so we trust him. We enter into this relationship with him. We find ourselves side by side with a bunch of other people that have gone the same path and we realize, like, oh, I'm not in this by myself. And this is such a huge blessing, but sometimes it's kind of a challenge and and this group of people comes together regularly and we encourage each other and we confess things and we pray for one another and we sing together and we hear from, God, from God's word and then we go back out into this world. But the whole time we're just we're carrying that kingdom reality with us. Repenting and believing is not something that only happens when you first come to know Jesus as your Savior. And if, you've, if you've never gotten to that point, I'd love to talk to you about that today. But if, if, you have, if you've come to him as Lord and Savior before, like you have said, I believe that, you, that everything you have said here is true, that you have come to redeem the world and that you died to lead me into glory. I believe that and you have entrusted your life to him. Repentance and belief is not something that we leave behind. This is not a, a one, once and then you're done kind of thing. That repent and believe happens over and over and over again. That wherever you are and wherever I am in this moment requires us turning from a world that's constantly, constantly just pleading to us and luring us and seducing us into believing that it's right. And we are repenting from that where we're saying, I refuse to go there for my source of anything. I'm just going to go to the king. I have been converted into something I, I was not that anymore. I'm a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. 
I live in this completely other realm. That's what drives me. That's what shapes me. That's who I am. I live in this world that needs to know that the door has been opened. And so I want to faithfully take that to him. But repenting and believing are like everyday, all day things. That what Jesus is saying for us is timeless. And it meets you where you are. Some, wherever you are in your walk, in your life, repenting and believing in him, that's the response to the good news that the king has proclaimed. That this whole new realm is open to us. And he's the one that opened it. God drew up the plan. Jesus came and carried it out. The spirit empowered him. The kingdom would not be open if it were not for what Jesus has done. When we approach the communion table, we are, we're acknowledging that we're, we're receiving that. That, God, that Jesus is holding out to us like what, exactly what we have repented and believed in. And what, what we need in this moment is we need that grace in order to continue to say no to the world and yes to him and believe that he is believable. So we're going to sing. We're going to have communion served. We're going to, you can kneel and pray if you want. We're going to spend a few minutes just kind of letting this like settle in before we pray and go our, our separate ways and take this out there to the world that needs it. So let's stand together. Would you take a second and before we get, uh, before we get lined up, um, which you're all invited to. If you're a, if, like, you don't have to be a member of this church. Um, that Jesus is offering His grace to us all. Um, before we line up, let's let's maybe just close our eyes for a second and let's just think. Let's think about the call to repent and believe. This amazing invitation that's in front of us. Maybe you know already, maybe you just want to ask him real quick just to, to zero in on the, where this fits in with your life right now. Like where do you need the grace of Jesus in order to repent and believe what he is holding out to you? Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you that in your strategy, when John was arrested, you went to Galilee. I mean, you were purposed in that move, and you're purposed with us in these moments as well. That all of us are in need of your grace in order to repent and believe the good news that you continue to hold out to us. May we follow you faithfully. May we follow you uh, holistically would you help us that through the taking of communion that we would uh, see you standing on the other side of the table offering 
your blood poured out for us, your body broken for us, and and we see that connection, that that's, that's the way of the kingdom, of love and of self-sacrifice and of um, obedience to this, this uh, perfect rule and reign in this kingdom that's nothing like this world. We thank you that you have said yes to us, and uh, we say yes to you as well. So as the table opens and as we respond in different ways, pray that you would help us to be present in these moments. Just embrace this time that you have ordained for us. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right. John's down here serving. You can uh, come when you're ready and sing together and pray, and then we'll, we'll close in just a few minutes.